This 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 Let's be honest. Talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world, but now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. It is my pleasure to bring on uh, a fellow that I have just kind of been introduced to a couple of months ago. He, his name is Terry Long. Actually, it's Dr. Long, is it not? Um, yes, it is. <laughs> and you have been, I was introduced to you in my one of my new positions uh, with the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. Um, I'm actually doing some work with them in apologetics and in evangelism. And Terry actually does what I do. Uh, my responsibility uh, for what I've, in terms of what I do, is for Central Alabama. Uh, Terry actually is down in Lower Alabama, or as we call it here in Alabama, LA. Um, he is in Lower Alabama. He not only does he do what I do, but he's also what we call an associational missionary. What was the new term that they use now? That's the new term, associational Man, missionary. I should get like a. I don't know. I should get something for actually using the right term. So <laughs> it t- changes. That's today. I don't know what it'll be tomorrow. Well, we just we 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 ebb and flow, and uh, you know that's just me and you. That's how we roll. Hey, uh, give us a little uh, kind of a lowdown on who you are, where you came from, and what is it that you're doing currently. Okay, Matt, it's good to be with you, and and so so honored to be uh, with you on this podcast and be able to share some things that God's done in my life and. I feel like saying what Joseph said. Uh, it, it, Joseph said it so well. He said, it's not in me. Uh, it's not in me to do what, what God did in me. And so it's not in me. Whatever I say today, it's certainly not because of anything I am or anything I've ever done. I'm just a speck. And, but God is, is powerful. He uses foolish things of this world to confound the wise. But I was born in a little town in South Mississippi, raised in that little town, and just a little old country town between Loosedale, Mississippi and Pascagoula, Mississippi, a little place called Hurley. <clears throat> and um, I was saved at the age of uh, 16 and still a junior in high school. And, and God just began to do a work in my life. A few months later, I was called to preach, and I began preaching as a teenager still there in high school and did a lot of youth work and and youth revivals and those kinds of things back then, and then pastored my first church when I was 21 in Pascagoula and married my sweetheart. We, we've we been in ministry now for 43 years, and um, I'm still as excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ today as I was then, and maybe more so. I've seen, I've seen the power of the gospel and what it can do to change lives and human hearts, and so it's it's a joy to work with the evangelism office, and as you've already discovered, to work with the guys like Sammy uh, Gilbreth, and um, you know we have Mark Stokes on with us now. Phil Winningham was with us when I first came on, and Phil's such a towering giant of a man spiritually, as well as Dr. Gilbreth. We we're just I'm, I'm still just learning from those guys, but we're really thrilled to have uh, have you, Mark. Uh, I mean Matt, have you here in our 
group and you brought you and Mark on about the same time. Um, and I think there's a bright future for Alabama in, in the area of evangelism. I'm, I'm seeing, you know, just beginning movements of revival here and there. And, and I'm excited about that. I've been in two services, two different churches recently where I've seen a real move of the Holy Spirit in revival. So it's really exciting to see what God is doing. Um, I've pastored several states in the South, Tennessee, Louisiana, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, and Arkansas throughout my ministry. And uh, what I'm doing right now is an associational missionary in Choctaw Baptist Association, which is kind of west central, maybe a little south. Um, and what I'm seeing in working with the evangelism office, it's, it's so exciting to be a part of it. And uh, we're just happy to share that today. Well, let's jump right into it. Uh, first question I want to ask you, uh, as a man who has preached and, and has taught in a lot of different contexts and context and have, give me a definition of evangelism. What do you mm-hmm. see as the definition of evangelism? Um, well, evangelism is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. Uh, that's an old home mission board definition that I think still works um, because it, it, I think it has the components in it. Uh, you, you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if you do it in your own power, you're not going to see results. Um, but if you share the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, don't get caught up in trying to make things happen yourself just let the holy spirit do his work you'll see tremendous fruit from that and um and i I have a i have a feeling about evangelism that 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 we need to combine we need to link prayer and evangelism together you just really can't have one without the other matt because really the battle uh for souls i believe is one in the closet in the prayer closet and interceding for souls and pleading with God for souls. And that's been a, a truth that God has taught me in the last three years that's really revolutionized my own prayer life and impacted my evangelism life. But uh, but I, I really think that the, the battle is won through prayer and that evangelism is kind of the mopping up operation Um on the field of battle. You, you know, you win the battle in prayer, you go out and you share the gospel and souls are saved. Yeah. And per- then the, the physical accruements of the church, like uh, our programs and our outreaches and our ministries, that's like the trucks that we drive onto the field of battle to gather up the spoils hmm. after the victory has been won. So you got to, you got to put prayer and evangelism together. And those are two, uh, I think very strong, uh, important disciplines in the life of a believer. I know, I know that evangelism is both an overfill and it's something that's filling, right? First, first Thessalonians one five says that our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. So, yes. uh, evangelism, at least from my perspective, is like an overflow. It's a person yes. who is personally seeking God to the point where everything is changed in 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 terms of likeness to Christ. And as such, and I'll, I'll take from what you said, it's it, it's an overflow from your personal devotion at home, in family, in community of church. And it, yeah. and it is something that you just do. <laughs> you yeah, know? no. So, 
and it's something that everybody is invited in the church to be a part of. I mean, we're all called yeah. to be his ambassador, which means we're all called to be his witness. And, yeah. you know, you're either a really horrible witness to Christ or you're a really good witness for Christ. Yeah. And, but you are a witness one but, way or the other. But you are, you are a witness. So let's talk about a witness of what. And, you know, for those who might stumble upon my podcast and never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors and witnesses of the gospel, the pure gospel story. Uh, yeah. Give me an outline of how you would witness, or at least give me an idea of how you would witness the pure, I guess, core of the gospel message to somebody? Yeah. Well, I think you, first of all, I think you have to be sensitive to the need in the person's life you're talking to. I, I really think, I really think witnessing, and I think the gospel is a personal uh, response uh, to what God has done in your life. And, and then it's, as you said, it's an overflow and an outflow of what God has built into your life, what he has done in your heart. So, you know, if, we've all had the experience, Matt, of going out sort of on a, in a program and just witnessing. And it's, it's just, you know, it's kind of sterile. Sometimes it's canned. And we, we've not, you, and all of us have had the experience of coming back home after that, not feeling very good about what we did, but I do believe that the Word of God is powerful, and when you plant the seed uh, of the seed of the Word of God, there's going to be fruit. It's going to, some, you know, it's going to grow, and it's going to have some results. But, but I think that when you begin to share the message God's put in, you know, live through your life, put into your life, and you share your personal testimony with others, that's that's personal, that's powerful, and that's authoritative. It happened to you, and people need to see that in our life. So I try to make it a personal thing when I think one of the most effective things that, that you can do witnessing is just to look that person in the eye, try to listen to what they're saying, try to see where they are and then give them hope through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I, I know recently I was in a restaurant with my wife and in, and this is a very easy way to share Christ and, and to maybe just share a compassionate word with somebody. Wait, waitress, um, came up, took our order, uh, young African-American girl in college age. And so I asked her, I said, you know, her name was Raquel. And I said, Raquel, uh, Judy and I are going to pray. My wife and I are going to pray over our meal and wondering if there was something in your life we could pray about. Could we pray for you in some way? And she said, yes. And she told me of some problems that she's had and her mother had lost her job. And she's not been able to go back to college money's not there, several things going on in her life. And <clears throat> she shared that. And I said, well, I, I, we're going to pray for you. And she said, thank you so much. And she said, can I join you? And, and I've never had a waitress do that, but she just sat down in the booth next to my wife and, and tears began to flow. And she bowed her head as, as I prayed for her. And she thanked us profusely for for that encouragement and that prayer. And I, I'd asked her about her relationship with God and shared with her a little bit about how God loved her. And, and she had you know, acknowledged that she was a believer. She had accepted Christ, but just had a lot of problems. And every time she returned to our table, uh, she would, you could just tell she was grateful and she would express that. That just seemed to make her day. And that's just a very easy way that anybody can share. Uh, and I've done that with, waiters and waitresses and many Christians do. And I, I've never had a, a bad experience 
just asking him if I could pray for him. So it, you know, when you share the gospel, you're sharing, of course, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The power of the gospel is the cross of Christ, and, and the, uh, the the victory of the cross is the resurrection. So you share that. First Corinthians 15, Paul said, that is the gospel. That's the gospel that was delivered to me, and that's the gospel I delivered to you. So we know that's the heart of it. And, and so we, whatever method we use, whatever tool we use, we have to focus and center it around the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and what that means for that person, that there's hope for them no matter what. Yeah, it's from somebody that has spent so many years like me in, in apologetics and thinking about the faith. Um, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday. He was actually a Christian while I was working out. And he was he was a Catholic, but now he's at a church here in town, uh, a Protestant church here in town. And uh, he was he didn't know what apologetics was, so I got to define it from him. And as we were talking, he was asking me these questions, and I said, "You do realize um, that I'll, even though uh, I, the mind is so crucial in uh, you know in putting your knee to Christ and becoming a Christian, it's so crucial to be a disciple of Christ. Your mind is." A lot of people out there who have questions about the faith, uh, who want to hear the hope, they're operating from hurt more than they are, like emotive issues more, I wouldn't say more, but just as much as they are from conflicting ideas in their head. In fact, the emotive issues are probably justifying false ideas in their head. So Mm -hmm. from an apologist point of view, uh, from a guy who's done a lot of evangelism and apologetics, I'm always thinking about the person and saying, this is a whole body made in God's image and they have emotions. uh, They have rational and irrational thoughts. Um, They're probably, maybe this person's operating from hurt. Uh, So I have to think about this. So when you say something about how can I pray for you? um, What an, what a wonderful way to introduce the faith uh, by saying, listen, I'm in the same boat you are, <laughs> you know, I'm living the same type of life you are. I have the same kind of struggles you do. Uh, yeah. I just have somebody I can take those to. Um, I have yeah. hope that these things will be justified. I have hope that these things that I have felt, I have hope that right. I, these, these experiences, that I, whether they're good, joyous experience or brutally broken experiences, all will be taken care of at the throne of my Christ who is Lord. And, and I, you know, that's one of the things that I've, I don't, I haven't met many people that act this way, but a lot of Christians that I've, that I've helped talk about apologetics specifically, or even evangelism in terms of a strategy is that we are talking to image bearers. And as such, they're not just minds, but they're souls. Um, they're, they're emotional beings. Um, and they're trying to figure out a way to work in this broken world, just like we are. Uh, that's why I love to be around people like you and who are not afraid, you know, who that the, the gospel is an overflow and they're not afraid to at least reach out and touch somebody and pray with them. Just like I think our yeah. Christ would. Um, exactly. G. Campbell Morgan always talked about it. Jesus dealt with humanity, a human in the universal sense. So every person he met had the universal problem of sin, yeah. but they were also as individualistic and as perfectly created as as a fingerprint. So Jesus, when he met the woman at the well, he dealt with her uni- universally as man, quote-unquote man, but as individually as somebody who's individually going through this world um, yeah. with problems. And he knew how to deal with it. 
you know. Yeah. And uh, so I think that's well, so. L- let me ask you a question in, in from from the gospel, the pure gospel. So we're not just making decisions as evangelists; we're also making disciples, right? I mean, that's our goal. Exactly. Our goal is to help them come into the fold, into community of yeah. believers, to to understand and live a life until death, whenever that might be, as Christ is yeah. as Lord. Let, what is? What do you think? Especially in the deep South, we have lost something in terms of the power of the story. I mean, last week alone, I was, I was kind of aghast after teaching and preaching and, and really quickly. I mean, I'm talking like seconds after I'm teaching, somebody is talking about game of Thrones at church. And I was kind of taken back, not only about game of Thrones itself. I'm not necessarily want to go there, but how people don't want to spend time with the gospel story, even Christians, And then, and so if unbelievers who we can't blame for not knowing the full scope and measure of the gospel, what has happened in the church where the story of the gospel just is not holding sway and is not deeply yeah. powerful? Well, that's, that's a great question, Matt. And, um, and I, and I really think you're right. I think we've lost something in the deep South. We, we have just enough of God to be inoculated against the power of the gospel. And, and I think that's the real danger of, you know, when you have so many churches and so much religion and, you know, we know we live in the, in the, you know, the Bible belt. And I just returned from a trip to Boston and in New England and touring, uh, in a vision tour for our association to partner with some work going on up there. And it's a completely different world. You're talking about 97% unchurched people. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that that most of the lost world has not rejected God completely, and and they haven't rejected the cross, but they have rejected the God that they see portrayed and, and by the church. That's what they've rejected, and so they, a lot of them have a, a, a much greater problem with quote unquote the church and. They mean something different than what the Bible talks about the church. They, they're talking about the ecclesiastical octopus that the church has become. But we know that the church is, when Jesus talked about the church, when Paul talked about the church, when the New Testament talks about the church, it's talking about the body of believers that have been called out to follow Jesus and to revolutionize the world, to change the world. Um, and so we're, we know it's a different thing and the church has become something different in America even than what it was in the book of Acts and what it is in many of our African countries China and Asia where we're seeing great revival take place in those places but we're not seeing it here in America we've we've been inoculated uh, by religion I saw the difference in how the world related to God and the cross and how the world relates to the church in 2012 um, when God called me, I was pastor in a small church in South Mississippi, and God called me. God spoke to me clearly in my heart, and he called me to a radical prayer vigil. And I wound up, as the Lord led me, spoke to me, gave supernatural confirmation uh, before I would do anything this crazy. I'm not one to do this kind of thing, but... But the Lord led me to put a cross, a 14-foot cross, 
at the busiest intersection in the county where I live, intersection of a four-lane and, and a two-lane, South Mississippi. And I, I put a cross on the side of the road, about 25 yards away from the road. And for 100 days, the Lord had me go out to that cross and do nothing but pray. And it's a long story, but it changed my life. And what I saw in that 100 days, I just refer to it as 100 days at the cross. I, I saw, I came to understand something about the cross of Christ that I'd never seen before. And for 100 days, I read the, about the cross. I studied the cross. I preached on the cross to my church for those 100 days. And I, I abandoned everything else. This was with the support of my wife, support of my church. And I just went out to the cross and made myself available just to pray. In that hundred days, 1,500 people made a trip to that cross for prayer. And uh, they would give their, tell me their prayer need. We would, I'd have them write it down. I'd give them a hammer to nail, and they would nail that on the cross. And I didn't know when I went out there how people were going to respond to that. I thought they were going to think I was crazy and yell terrible things and throw bottles at me and stuff. I really didn't know. I was pretty scared, but, but I knew God had called me to it. I don't, uh, I'd say I've never seen anybody do that. I've never done it before nor since. That was in January of 2012. And for those hundred days, I saw people that would have nothing to do with church come out of their way, walk down to that cross, tears flowing down their eyes. And many of them came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Many of them were I came for help and for prayer, and that became a turning point in my life. I, I understood the cross. I, 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 I love the cross. I preach the cross. You know, Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. And You know, you, you can trace Paul's journey in, in six acts, six stages. Uh, first, Paul, Paul hated the cross. He opposed the cross. He persecuted the cross. But then he experienced the cross, and he embraced the cross. Then he preached the cross, and then in the end, he just gloried in the cross and nothing else. So you couldn't get Paul to talk about anything for long without him coming back to the cross. Spurgeon was often asked, why do your sermons sound so much alike? He said, it's because I take any scripture— and then make a beeline for the cross. Billy Graham's message was so powerful. And in our day, we've never known anybody with the effectiveness of a Billy Graham, but the effectiveness was because he stayed close to the cross. He preached the simple gospel centered in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I've learned that people still love the cross. They still respect the cross. I often ask people when they would come to the cross, those 1,500, why why, or why did you, are you here? Do you go to church? I hadn't been to church in 20 years. Why why haven't you been to church? Well, they ran my preacher off, or they, you know, they split, or, you know, it was just terrible things they saw happen. But they still came to the cross because they still look at that cross and see the unconditional love and forgiveness of God for sinners. And they feel hope. And I was amazed at children, teenagers, adults, and, and senior adults, uh, how the cross impacted their life when they would come there. And, and just before that little cross in South Mississippi, 
and people drove from different states to get there. And it, it was it was an incredible experience. But they uh, people still love and respect the cross. They love and respect uh, Jesus Christ. But they have a problem with the church and sometimes how we portray that. So, you know, we've got a lot of um, repenting to do uh, in the church before we're ever going to see a great move of God in this country. Yeah, and it's a it's a for it's a repenting that's that's uh, that is laced with hope. Like I was talking yeah. with somebody over the over the weekend, and and he he was right talking about how I am. I am nothing compared to to God. And I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And he was like, and I am so sinful. And I was like, of course, you know, this is a Christian. Of course, of course, of course. And and we're talking about Christ and what he did on the cross on Sunday. Uh, this is a little yeah. small group that I teach. And I said, of course, of course. All those things I, I am in total agreement with. But as Christians, we have to remember that we, we speak of those things about ourselves and others with the idea that there's hope at the throne. <laughs> That yeah. that we are we are treated as as the parable of the son that went away and came back. That the yeah. father was looking, the father was hopeful, and the father had an open door for the for his yeah. son to come. And we yeah. we rest in what Jesus did for us, and we yeah. focus our we focus our life in living in Him, in hope that in in and our hope is in. The cross, and when Yahweh sees, when the Father sees the Son, He sees, you know, when He sees yeah. us, He sees the Son. And for me, yeah. I agree. I think it's repentance, but it's repentance into a community of hope yeah. and and hope filled. And it's for me, I'm like you. It's rediscovering the story every day because yeah. you know we we constantly, as a culture, go back to seminal moments in the history of whatever nation you're in right for us over the right. last 20 years it's probably uh it's september 11th i mean that's a seminal moment it, it changed the course of who we are our identity and how we functioned you know it, it's just it's it hover overs it overs you know over us uh, you have world war ii you have Revol- you have these yeah. seminal moments well the cross and the resurrection not only is it one of those seminal, it is the seminal moment of all humanity of all creation, uh, right. I, I used to tell my students that I taught it's the second. The resurrection was the second Big Bang. It was. I mean, it 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 it, it, init- like it, it initiated a new yeah. and a new kingdom and a new earth. I mean, yeah. it was these. It was the logos initiating the second Big Bang, and everything else in terms of creation that was groaning is groaning for the same rebirth, and yeah. it it has to be seen as almost every story of hope. This is almost like a Lewis way to look at it, but almost every fable and myth and great myths have in in a sense, they're all pointing to the one awesome story of Christ Jesus on the cross and what he exactly. did. And, and because they all and when Jesus says something like, that's OK, I don't need you. These rocks will, will, will do it for me. He's essentially saying even creation itself will speak of me if you don't. I mean that's how great this story is of Jesus Christ, and for yeah. me, I just think we do ourselves, uh, we do ourselves, um, we don't do ourselves a favor by not remembering the story. And it shouldn't just be for Easter. It should be, hey, if you want to go watch Game of Thrones, whatever. It's not my cup of tea. I get it, but you know, but at the same time, man, it's Palm Sunday. <laughs> if there's going to be one Sunday for us to prepare our hearts for Easter. 
let it be that and let us remember what the story is. And I think evangelism is it functions when we talk about overflow of somebody that's so enamored with, like you said, with the cross. And I am constantly returning to that point in history as my well, place of source that it overflows to yeah. believers and unbelievers. You know, you, you, you've just said a, you've just said a, a tremendous thing that, that, you know, the cross is not just about Easter. Resurrection is not just about Easter. Um, I, I think one of my greatest burdens today, Matt, is is that most people do not understand what happened at the cross of Christ. Most people don't understand redemption, the atonement. I, I think most Christians don't even understand, or many, I would say, Christians don't even understand the cross of Christ. I know a lot of Christians, and I actually had uh, a church member who left my church, uh, a young man who who just was in love with Jesus. He said, you, he said, you're not preaching this, 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 and this. And he said, I'm going on to something deeper. I'm, I'm deeper than you are. And I just smiled and, and, and I, when he said that, and he left. And, of course, you know, God had to kind of do a, a work in his life, some brokenness. But a lot of Christians really do think this way. Well, I've been to the cross. Now that I'm saved, I've believed the gospel. I've received the gift of salvation. I believe he purchased me with his blood. So I need to move on to something bigger and better and deeper and more mature. You know, the fact of the matter is you can never move on to something deeper than the cross of Christ. Um, J. Knox Chamberlain said the spirit does not take his pupils beyond the cross, but ever more deeply into it. You cannot move on from the cross to something more mature. There's nothing more mature. There's nothing deeper. There's nothing more majestic than the cross of Christ. And that's why Paul would say toward the end of his ministry, but God forbid that I should boast or glory in anything save the cross of Christ. I, I love the story of uh, the old Indian chief that, that continued to be pushed westward with his tribe, and he came to a mountain. And he didn't feel like he had the strength to climb the mountain, so he sent his three best warriors over the mountain. He said, bring back some relics and some things to show us what's on the other side of the mountain, and we'll wait here. After a couple of days, they returned, but they had nothing in their hand. And he looked at them. He said, why, why didn't you bring back some evidence of what was on the other side? And their eyes were wide, and they looked at him and said, we saw the sea. We saw the sea, and they'd never seen it before. And, you know, when you do what Isaac Watts said, when, when you climb Calvary's mountain and you gaze at the cross, when he said, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, when you survey the cross, you've seen the sea. I mean, there's nothing bigger, more majestic. And, and most of us spend our time in life picking up a rock here and there and having an experience here and there. And somewhere, if we're fortunate enough, the Holy Spirit will, will take us into the cross and show us the cross up close and personal. And then we'll be like those warriors. We'll come back and say, I've, I've spent my life doing these little things, but I've seen the sea. In those hundred days that I spent in front of that cross and at that cross praying, uh, I, I saw the sea. And I don't believe I'll ever be the same since then. But 
But the cross is the heart of the gospel, and without the cross and the resurrection, there is no gospel. Hmm. And uh, so we can't get very far from it, and, and you're right. It doesn't just need to be an Easter thing. Every day is Easter for the believer. Yeah. Every Sunday is Easter when we get up to preach. I think that's, I think what you're helping me kind of think about is what I want to preach about on Sunday or, and teach about on Sunday, which is we, we, we don't take the, the Thomas story to its natural conclusion. Um, mm-hmm. We don't understand the, the, the power of the Thomas story after the resurrection when he put his finger in his, in his side and in his, and he looked at his hands. Yeah. We don't realize that when Jesus got his uh, new body, when he got the when he became, you know, he's the first Adam. That I mean, he's the new Adam, and he has this new body. Yet he still has the scars. So we acknowledge that Christ sits on the on the throne in terms of authority. We acknowledge that he's preparing a place for those who believe in him. Do we also acknowledge that the Christ who is who's who's timeless in, in Lord of, you know, he's, he's the Lord of, of heaven and earth. Now he's our Lord in every way possible. He can, he has the hands with the imprint of what he did for us. Mm. And not only did he he chose, I'm assuming he chose, I don't, I don't know how that works other than I think, isn't it interesting to think that Jesus is somewhere and he's looking at his hands and constantly reminded, and he'll have those reminders for me and you. And if our Lord has the reminders of what he did for his father for us, then yes, that should be all that we're talking about and all that we're thinking about. Our Lord, who is the who is our king, has the scars of what he did for you and me forever, forever. Yeah. And, he w- and so it's like a man who is looking at his scars his worn out hands all the time and reminded of the work that he has done. I mean, my son always looks at my calluses and he always says, I want those. And my wife always reminds my son, you get calluses for, for doing work. Right? So Jesus now he has hands of work. Now he did his father's work and the work that he did so perfectly for me and you, why wouldn't you talk about it? Like you said, the, there, there, there's an academic world out there that always says, well, we need like this poor gentleman. I want to go deeper, brother. You can't go deeper unless you, you come to the, <laughs> you, you couldn't go any deeper than the Christ. It's, it's inexhaustible. Yeah. Right. It is. Paul knew that. That's, that's, that was the secret. He, he knew you couldn't exhaust it in the, you know, the depths of the cross and, but that, you know, that's not to say we don't study, uh, you know, we don't, feed our mind. You know, sure. we're to love the Lord our God with our our heart, our soul, all our strength, and our mind, which is to me that's just apologetic. And but you know, you've got to balance the two. You've got to bring them together. And they're not in a, they're not in you know antithetical. They they work together. They're inextricably linked, the mind and the heart in our commitment to Christ. I admire what you do. I, I'm, I'm, I admire uh, those who are in apologetics. I, I think we all ought to be, and I try to be, but I'm nowhere near anything uh, of the caliber that you guys are who can defend the faith, which is what, what Peter said we should do, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. But I do know this. You, you, you've, got to have, you've got to approach God with your heart as well as your head. And I know when I was there at that cross for a hundred days, I know there were 23 people who came to Christ that had no intention of coming to Christ that day. One lady was on her way to commit suicide. 
um, at that moment, she saw the cross and pulled in, and she got saved, radically saved. And I, I've never seen anybody repent with weeping and wailing as I did uh, people that got saved out of that cross. And I had to back up one day and say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on here. I'm preaching and I'm pastoring a church 15 minutes from here, and this isn't happening in my church. What's the deal? And I just heard an answer from the Lord in my in my mind and heart. He said, because the church has forgotten the cross, and, and we've gotten too sophisticated for it. And it's still the message of the cross that that is to us who are saved the power of God and to those who are perishing foolishness. And uh, that 1 Corinthians 1.18 passage for the preaching of the cross, I interpreted that wrong for so many years. That, that, you know, I thought that meant what you do when you get up and preach a sermon on the cross. Well, when you preach on the cross, uh, you know, it's power to those who are being saved, but it's foolishness to those who are lost. But actually the word in 1 Corinthians 1.18 is not the New Testament word for preaching. It's the New Testament word logos, the Greek word logos, which means word or speech or message. And what he says is, for the message of the cross, for the speech of the cross, for the word of the cross, is to them that are perishing foolishness, but unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And what he's saying there is that the cross itself preaches. The cross itself has a message. Let the cross preach its message. You know, Spurgeon said, you don't have to defend a lion, just turn him loose. Well, you don't have to defend the cross, just turn it loose, just hold, uphold it. Live a cross-centered life. Talk about the cross. Preach on the cross and apply that message in practical ways to the lives of your people. And lost people will be saved and saved people will grow. And I think, we're, I think we maybe have missed that somewhere along the way. And so our churches are not seeing the fruit and the results as they are. It's, it's, a, it's a joy to be able to talk to people about what Jesus did for them on the cross. And I believe the world still respects that boy it would be fun to rename the evangelism department as something like the you know the great story uh, and just see me and you as storytellers you know yeah and then and then where we're going to try to train other people to be storytellers of the yeah. great story of the real story yeah. you know lewis would say the great myth but myth be yeah. meaning the great story that encompasses all stories and it happens to be true yeah and uh, what a great opportunity for me and you um, to mm. be, you know. I, I, I'm, I pinch myself sometimes to make sure I'm awake. I feel so blessed. You know, George Orwell said, sometimes the first duty of intelligent men is the restatement of the obvious. Mm. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to keep coming up with new stuff. We just need to restate the obvious. And the obvious is God loves people and jesus died for the lost for sinners and god still saves sinners those things are so obvious that we get convoluted sometimes trying to complicate the simple but that's what we need to do just remind people of what what we were taught when we were younger what we grew up with what we know the bible says when we read john three sixteen. and uh you said something a while ago matt that that really resonated with me you you, you talked about um you know, the, the cross and making it practical. But um, here we are at Easter season. And uh, and I, I was reminded this morning that there's hardly a verse in the Bible that talks about the love of God without also mentioning the cross. So there's a 
there's the cross, which is the historic event that that continues on, you know, has a message for the future for today. But you just think about the verses, and that cross is is associated with the love of God and hope that people can have through Him. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's love and and the cross. Galatians two twenty. God forbid that I should. Um, or, uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. And on and on. Romans five eight. God committed His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love and the cross go hand in hand. So when we talk about the cross, we give people hope because the cross shouts. God loves you this much, and and it gives people hope to know that. And we have to, we need to share that hope in, with a world that has lost hope and uh, and doesn't know what God really wants to do with them and has done for them through the cross. Agreed. And we can be joyous people, and we can be serious people. And yeah. uh, I think we can find joy in in the seriousness of the cross uh we need to quit amusing ourselves to death with entertainment entertainment's <laughs> fun um I, listen i got the first tickets to end game for next thursday i'm, I'm a big kind of comic book nut always have been um love stories love good stories but i also am a because of the way i was raised I'm, i try to be a very serious adult and um you know and i think we can we don't take the cross lightly and but yep. we can be joy filled in community and yeah. we can rejoice in the hope that we have what a wonderful yeah. 42 minutes and i would really enjoy and and would love to have you on more in fact we yeah. have so many other things that we were talking about that i think that would be cool uh hopefully yeah. next time we talk we can talk about your other love which is revival and yeah. your kind of You've been doing a lot of historical kind of research into uh, American revivals. I think that would be a fascinating topic as me and you uh, love to do move forward in in our in our work together, and mm-hmm. love to invite you back on to the podcast to talk about that and other issues. Love uh, to do it. That, this forty two minutes has flown by. We've yeah. had, we've had a good time, and uh, and I appreciate the opportunity to share. Uh, some thoughts and some things from my own life with you. Thank you for what you do, Matt. Thank you for this podcast. And I pray it'll continue to grow in, as, as an audience and you continue to bless people as they listen. Well, thanks, Terry. This is Brother Terry, and we will have him back on. And for those of you um, who are listening, thank you for listening to our podcast, Tactical Faith. You can come at tacticalfaith.com. Of course, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Uh, as we move forward to try to equip this state of Alabama and its people towards moving towards Christ-likeness, I please ask that you would uh, come to our website. Uh, we have a few events that are going to be coming in the next couple of months, uh, some grassroots events that we want to invite you to, and maybe we'll bring Terry along uh, one or two of those events. One of them actually is going to be in Mobile. So uh, if you want to contact me, I'm Matt at tacticalfaith.com, and we appreciate you listening.